When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. (laughs) By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. We gave him something to talk about, no doubt about it. Bernadette with us. Bernadette, um... Do you go by Bernadette Duncan or Bernadette Duncan Harrison? Um, we can make it easy. You could just call me Bernadette Duncan. 
Okay, we'll do that because I know there there are a couple of Bernadette Duncans, and I wanted to make sure that people understood who we were talking to here. And I wanted, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to call you call you the name that you like to be called. You know, that just works out. Uh, it, it's really the name that I used when I was um, producing. Okay. you know, talk shows for all those years. So I do have to ask you: did, did, Why did you get out of producing talk radio? Because you got sick to death of talk radio people. Uh, Hardly, hardly, Tom. <laughs> no, get, check this out. I'm back in. I oh, you am are. back in. Who are you working? Yeah, with? you know, you can only you can only leave for so long, and you know what no, I'm talking true. about. No, it's true because I started in radio 48 years ago, but I left for five years to work at Capitol Records from 77 oh, wow. to 82. But then I had to come back. I did voiceover in New York uh, then for a few years, but. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. I had to return to radio, and now I've been uh, on the KQ Morning Show for 32 years, and we've been doing this show for six years. And I can't apparently I can't get enough of it because I work on the air for eight hours a day. So it's it's interesting. Wow, it's a long time to work on the air, but you know. Yeah, that's that's not everybody. Not everyone can do that. I don't. That's very impressive, Tom. You're you're um you're quite the animal. Yeah, in other words, I'm full of it. That's what you're driving. <laughs> Blood of hot air. No, no, the best of them. Hey, it, it's a muscle. It's a muscle, and I can't imagine you crawling back like an addict, you know, to yeah. do what you do best. Yeah. This candidly told story includes Bernadette's firsthand impressions of sometimes quirky celebrity, sometimes quirky celebrity talk show host. Let's go with all the time celebrity talk show host. <laughs> she served as producer during her career in talk radio. A producer does a wide variety of tasks in facilitating a show, including booking the guests, screening the listener phone calls, occasionally engineering the program, and most important, holding the hands, supporting, consoling, encouraging, and simply trying to get along with some of the most egotistical, egocentric, neurotic, insecure, demanding, opinionated, sometimes horrible, but oftentimes wonderful and always remarkably talented human beings to talk across the face of the earth. I could not argue with one she's, word of that, Bernadette. And she's not talking about you. Well, she might be. You don't know. You don't know she's not talking about me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't argue with any of that. It's true. The people, it often amazes me. Uh, and I've had to say it to many, many people I've worked with over the years, Bernadette, this is radio. This is television. You work at a newspaper. Calm down. You know, you're not Marlon Brando. Relax. <laughs> but they, some of them just can't. Although you know, and they take themselves seriously sometimes, but I found the best ones make you laugh, tell a story, and teach you something new. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think that's a very good point. Well, looking at the list of people you worked with, to tell you the truth, you worked with a lot of really good people, too. I mean, a lot of very, very talented people on, on the list of people. So what, can you tell us where you're working now? Um, I can tell you that I'm working now. I'm, I write intros, uh, questions for a host who I respect uh that I don't want to no, reveal. That's no, that's fine. But it was great. Yeah, eight months ago, I got. Um, I was invited to um, help her with her uh, show, and um, we laugh and laugh and laugh. And that's why I know I'm in the right place. I can't help it. I'm back. That I'm is back. a good thing. Yeah, no question about it. I just because I uh, so many people. Well, you know. My wife, Catherine, is on the show. Our son, Andy's on the mm-hmm. show. Alex, our daughter, is usually on the show. I love working with the family, but uh, Alex is not here today. But um, honestly, God, the only time 
basically that I butt heads with my son Andy is about radio because I'm obsessed about it. And Andy, that's something you you just don't understand, do you? I'm a type C personality. (laughs) (laughs) Even farther away from A than B. (laughs) Oh, boy, that's very good, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) That's as good as it gets right there. I just think... um, you know, I've, I've interviewed almost everyone that you've worked for over the years. Matter of fact, I think I have interviewed all of them, to tell you the truth. Look wow. at the list of the, the people that, that you have listed here. Uh, they are interesting people. They're interested in what's going on in the world. They want to have, well, I think some of them want to facilitate change. Some of them want to make a difference, I guess, is a good way to put it. But uh, I think the number one thing is, and, and that's why I think egotistical was the number one word on your list, is they mm-hmm. want the world to know what they think about it. And that is very true. Well put. Um, yes, I, I feel in retrospect um, that they're quirky for all sorts of reasons. Like Sally Jesse Raphael is a fairy godmother slash rascal to work with. Tom Snyder is... Um, or was, sadly, um, a performance artist. Rush Limbaugh, who I never actually worked with, but I met several times over the years, um, is um, funny, a master, a choir boy, and very opinionated, and who saved our business, uh, Larry King, uh, king of the nighttime. I mean, I can go on. These are wonderful characters who are masters of word and conversation for all sorts of reasons. I tell you what, Bernadette, that's one thing I love about the radio business are the stories, and that's why Yappy Days would be a wonderful book for me to read. Uh, There's a great story about Jackie Gleason back when Larry King was working in Miami, and Jackie Gleason would come in and do his show all the time. He called and said, Pally, I can't make it in tonight. I'm sending over a very good friend. You'll love him. Don't worry about it. He said, who is it? He said, no, I don't want to tell you who it is. He'll just be coming over. I can't make it. So Larry King's about to go on the air, and there's a knock at the door. He opens the door. It's Frank Sinatra. Wow. That's rather impressive. That's rather (laughs) impressive, don't you think? Well, it was part of Larry King's conveyor belt of celebrities. That that was sort of the norm Mm -hmm. working with him, right? I mean, all those uh, A-tier guests. Sometimes B tier, rarely, if ever, a C tier. Although that happened one night. Oh, but I want to hear about it. Um, the C tier night. <laughs> uh, it was my my uh, first uh, two weeks working with Larry King, uh, and again he would have politicians, celebrities on all the time, and he uh, proudly said that he would never read the guests. A bio or book beforehand. Right. I mean, everybody knew this because he talked about it. Yep. Um, because he wanted to experience the guest like the listener did. So this one night, he had on a guest who had written a book about childhood sexual abuse. I mean, it was it was a real oddball kind of author. So I just figured, as now two years into the business, that okay, this is probably a friend of a friend for Larry who someone talked him into having on. She was on uh, on air with Larry, and I'm watching him nervously kind of twitching and, and kind of squirming in his chair. And now you have to know, I'm new. 
I'm like two weeks into the job. My whole, uh, my my boss had told me, whatever you do, you don't talk to him while he's on the air. You know, you, you get him coffee, you, you make him comfortable, but no talk. Uh-huh. Well, what am I supposed to do? He's on the air and he's nervous. So I reach over to the little talkback button and I recall questions I had developed as a writer for, uh, for Seventeen Magazine. I had worked at the Teen Magazine, so I kind of knew the topic of childhood sexual abuse. And I started pitching him questions like, at what point when you're dating do you tell somebody about your history? And out from Larry's mouth came that question. I couldn't believe it. Across 500 stations around the country. Um, I, I was shocked. And Larry turned to, the, turned to that uh, guest and um, she answered his question, which was mine. And while I could sit there for about three minutes resting on my laurels, I realized, oh, he, he's still kind of befuddled. So I came up with another question. And then another question is his eyeball kept coming over to me whenever <laughs> he needed one. Right. And I would whisper it in his ear, uh, you know, through the talk back. Um, and it, it was just the night I knew, oh, sometimes you have to break rules. And um, uh, he, he had me come back uh, as his uh, New York producer for about six more years. I think it's wonderful. That's how the business is supposed to work. Uh, you know what you did for him? I would imagine over the past 32 years that if you could hear me talking to the producer and other people, because I, I, do, I do it from a remote location, right? I'm, I'm, I never, ever go into the studio. I just don't mm. do it, right? Because I, I just, I, uh, they're just too much. I found toward the end when I was in the studio, there were so many people pulling on my shirt sleeve going, I need this, I need this, I need this. Mm-hmm. Whether it was management or the sales department or, or somebody else on the air or another day part or whatever, I could never, ever concentrate on my job. Somebody was always needing something. Mm-hmm. But I would say mm-hmm. this, that if you could hear me on the talk back during the commercials, of the show, you would think I was a raving lunatic because <laughs> I am the kind of person. If you I, admit it. You admit it at least. Oh, I do. I absolutely admit it. <laughs> uh, if I have to tell you more than three times what you need to do, and you know you need to do this, and you need to do this to do your job, I point out that probably, I, I well, I can't tell you what I would say because it, it's not even clean enough to, to say that. I, I have no time for it. You understand that it's down to the down to the second the way radio works, the way it has to be done. You only have so much time, and if other people are not doing their job or they're changing the subject or they're interrupting, it just doesn't work. It sounds horrible, and I have zero time for that. So I understand exactly what you're talking about. So when you were helping out, when you saw that, that Larry King was, was befuddled and kind of nervous and all the rest of it, you helping him out like that and him using your questions it probably saved the entire interview yeah although i have to tell you i never had to do that for the remaining six years i worked with him no you know he is a pro you know he just knows the right regular guy questions but that one that one kind of uh challenged him i could see that well i've interviewed larry king probably about 25 times in my life wow he's a great guy to interview because he knows the business so well Mm-hmm. No, he mm-hmm. does. I mean, he yeah, knows. and he's full of stories, of course. Oh, yeah, he's got tons of stories. 
There's no question about it. I actually even asked him about the time on his television show when now President Donald Trump was on his show, and he asked him to sit back because his breath was very bad. (laughs) (laughs) He he just started laughing about it. He took that very, very well. He He was just fine about it. So, I don't know. As far as guests are concerned, sometimes... Okay, so you're in studio, and most of your your guests came in studio to do the interviews, or were a lot of them on the phone? It was, I would say, like 90% in studio, especially yeah. with Larry, because who wouldn't want to meet him, you know? Right, right. They were gaga. So having to put up with the guests as well, because the guests in general, a lot of them have massive egos, no matter what, what it is they do. And, but people need to understand this. It's a different world they, they travel in. There's no doubt about that. It's a completely different world. An example, and he was a great friend. Vince Flynn, unfortunately not no longer with us, died at 40, what was he, 46 mm. when he died? I think so, yeah. Vince was a very, mm. the family The family got along very, let me tell you the kind of guy Vince Flynn was. He, he, he wrote uh, 16 international bestsellers. When our daughter graduated from high school, he drove 150 miles from his cabin to attend her graduation party and then got back in his car and drove back to his cabin. So the guy did about 300 miles round trip just so he could be there. He was that close a family friend. And he told us a story, Mm. this magnificent story. Um, He's walking down the street one day in New York City and he hears this guy yelling, hey Vince, Vince Flynn, Vince. And he looks around and it's President Bill Clinton. Oh. And and Vince goes, Mr. President, how are you? And he goes, hey, I heard you on Rush Limbaugh's show today. <laughs> wow. So that's talk radio. Oh, that's great. I mean, that is talk, that's that's the impact that talk radio has when the president of the United States is yelling across the street going, hey, how you doing, Mr. International Bestseller? And then our dog starts barking. Ruff, ruff. Why is he barking? Wow. That's a good question. Oh, we always have. It, this is a family show. The afternoon is a family show, and the dog is always here. He gets very excited. Love it. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Our very special guest, Bernadette Duncan, promoting the book Yappy Days Behind the Scenes with Newsers, Schmoozers, Boozers, and Losers. That is radio right there. Newsers, schmoozers, boozers, and losers. There's no doubt about it. Honest to God. It's, it's a great title for a book. Did you, did you just think of the... Did you know the title of the book before you wrote the book? No. I, I thank my husband. It is his genius that came up with the title because it really does capture everything. And the truth is, I worked with every single kind of personality of that nature, sometimes all in one. Oh, Yeah. Oh, I can. I'm looking at the list of some of the people you <laughs> worked like with. A man. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that looking at some of the names uh, that that are uh, are listed here. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, and there's a possibility in in the in the television and radio business and the newspaper business as well that you uh, are a newser, a schmoozer. That's radio, television, and newspapers. Boozers, absolutely, and losers, mostly. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's well, moments. There are moments. Yeah, you know? well, yes. All you guys are so lovable. Come on. You're so lovable. Even the ones who aren't are lovable. Mm, I hope that's <laughs> true. Uh, I like the, the description of your book. A fun, breezy, informative, and gently analytical look at the media, journalism, and the complex nature of ego. I love that, that, that you are focused on that. So, again... Number one, how did you get interested in getting into producing talk radio anyway? 
I was 12 years old when I wrote my first fan letter to Sally Jesse Raphael mm. as a school assignment. And unlike all my friends who did the same to their kind of favorite celebrity, my favorite, my recipient wrote back within two weeks. That's amazing. And that I even knew her was because of my mom, an immigrant, who had Sally on the radio in our house all the time because my mother from Western Ireland wanted to understand what this place, America, was all about. That, that's and it, great. It, it, it's really where my mother learned everything from making a turkey for Thanksgiving to, you know, speaking New York. <laughs> well, that's good. That makes total sense. So Sally Jesse Raphael wrote you back. Did she know you were 12 years old? I think she must have. I still have the letter. Um, and I ended up, I mean, that kind of flipped the switch. It became my my timeline, my, my, my lifeline to my future, because I later um, got an internship in college and ended up working at that very station where Sally was, WMCA in New York. Sure. Where, so where did you go to college? Um, nothing fancy, which is very telling for what I ended up doing, meaning... I went to. I graduated from Queens College. I was always in the New York City area. I, I started at Hunter, mm. um, but I I credit my grit, not the college I went to. Although I did graduate, <laughs> I, I credit my my kind of energy, enthusiasm, and just plain grit for uh, ending up in the business and, and lasting still. You know, so no, no, it makes total sense. So you knew from the time you were about well, because your mother. See, I love that story of an immigrant learning what America's all about by listening to the radio. Because many, many yeah. people for many, many years did that. That's how yep. they learned what America was all about was listening to talk radio, or listening to disc jockeys to hear about what the culture was, whether it was top forty or or whatever the situation was. I think that's the one thing that I would say about. FM radio still doing well. AM radio not so well, and uh, I, I think it's a situation where I hope people understand that we still do need radio. Uh, I have a friend who works in the Miami marketing, Paul Castronovo. He's the number one morning guy in Miami, and the Miami market now is. Um, oh God, he gave me the figures. It's seventy percent Hispanic, twenty percent black, mm -hmm. and ten percent white. And so that means there, there are many, many immigrants, whether they be from uh, a Spanish-speaking country or uh, places like Haiti. Um, a lot of Puerto Ricans, although Puerto Ricans, for some reason, I don't know why, but they tend to, tend to go to the Orlando market when they move to America. Hmm. But radio is, radio is still very, very important because they can sit there by themselves, listen to what it's all about. Probably the same thing your mother did. She didn't want to look like a fool, so she learned by sitting there by herself or by, with you by her side, hearing what America was all about. What is this all about? So did you know because you And also, I also believe that for a lot of immigrants, they leave their home country and they want to lose their accent. I know uh -huh. my mother, oh my goodness, wanted to lose her adorable brogue. But, you know, I have to also offer up the fact that in driving communities like L.A., radio is hot. Oh, yeah. It's still oh, yeah. hot. Yep, it is. It absolutely is. M Minneapolis-St. Paul is a big-time driver's uh, 
market as well. I mean, we have we have a, the the uh, light rail, and we have a, a magnificent bus system, and all the rest of it. But tons and tons of traffic as well, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that. Pretty much is the drive time in the morning and drive time in the afternoon is the lifeblood, and always has been the lifeblood of radio. But still, what I love about radio is that overnight show. Whether it starts at midnight or two o'clock in the morning, there are many, many, many people that sit and listen to the radio by themselves at night. Um, you know, whether it's coast to coast or whatever the show is. They love that company. It's companionship for them. And I think you understood that, that the radio for your mother was companionship. Definitely. Um, And frankly, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the middle of the night, I just, I will tune in to some of my favorite stations around the country to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Just to hear what people are doing. It's fascinating. Yep. It's a brand new, uh, it's a brand new element of it. And I think the marriage of, of radio to uh, podcasting is, is going to it, it's really coming on as a matter of fact and it's only going to get stronger because it needs to happen broadcast AM, FM and digital marrying one another it, it's very very important okay so you're 12 you decide I think I want to get into radio did you ever want to be on the air or were you ever on the air I was on the air quote unquote uh, a few times uh, on in many of the, the shows I worked on but, you know, I, I landed in New York, so it was really the place where they needed energetic people, and there was more of a need for a producer than an on-air person, and mm-hmm. I, I was good at it, so I, I kind of just stuck around in that job, and frankly, I have a, a mini lisp, which you can't hear right now, but it's there, and um I I fell into a very good place with some of the most talented people I could ever have imagined working with. Shocking. So who was who was the, where was the first show that that you got a job uh, producing a, a talk radio show or any radio show? Where what market? What what radio station? You see what I mean? It was New York City. God, that's I was amazing. working with a fellow named Barry Gray, basically who was credited with the first talk show. In the middle of the night, which was uh, in New York City, where the, the theater would break out, he would get phone calls into his studio, and because the technology wasn't developed yet, he would translate what the person was saying on the phone in his left ear, and he would repeat the question or the commentary. I mean, oh, this okay. was talk radio. Right. You know, in its rarest, rawest form. So you went and, in. Um, and you went in and said, "I want, I want to work with you. I want to uh, help produce your show. I want to produce your show." And he just said, "Oh, okay. I love it." Is that how it went? Not quite. It was okay. We need somebody to work middays. Uh, let's get the intern. <laughs> let's get the intern. Sure. Okay, so and the I did way. everything from you know you do it all. So how many years did? Yeah, see, I, I, what I wanted to do was ask, so 30-plus years, that's the way to 30-plus year veteran producer. I had to find it in the bio to make sure that I got that right because I don't want people thinking you're older than you actually are. You know, you don't need that. So ah. three decades, three-plus decades of producing radio, you just, you must absolutely love it, I would think. It is, um, 
my belief is radio is about community. Mm-hmm. Radio yep. is community. And, and during the 80s, late 80s, when we saw it break into then sports radio, so now you have your community of sports talkers, right. and you have right. a community of right-wingers, and your community of liberals. I mean, wow, I could hang out with like-minded individuals or kind of sneak into the enemy camp and listen to, you know, the other the other, uh, the other team, so to speak. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's, it's thinking, connected people who are curious about the world, as was I. You know what fascinates me about that whole thing, because you brought it up, Bernadette, is that conservative talk radio works on AM and it works on FM, but liberal talk radio is owned by NPR. National Public Radio absolutely owns that and I don't consider them to be, you know, way far left liberal or whatever. In certain markets, they are. I'm talking NPR because MPR, Minnesota Public Radio, tends to be very, very far left leaning. Uh, hmm. But they own that business to the point where they've tried to start uh, uh, liberal talk stations or left leaning talk stations uh, like Air America, but it just doesn't work because NPR owns that business. It's amazing. In, indeed, it is amazing, and uh, I also think it, it it's the luck of uh, Rush Limbaugh. Yep. Rush Limbaugh yep. coming into the, the the culture in the late '80s, and he became a phenomenon. He was funny. You weren't sure if he was joking around or serious, you know, or both. And he totally hijacked the the culture of the business and. And on the AM side, he, he went from, like, 30 affiliates to 500 in the course of, like, a year and a half. I know. It was unbelievable. And it was phenomenal. He went on a road tour that people might not remember, but he, he was on a few stations. Then he was on, as you said, about 30 stations. He went, he put out a book and went on a road tour and appeared in every town and sold out theaters in every town. And since that day, Rush Limbaugh has been huge in talk radio. Nobody... Nobody bigger than I know of. Nobody even comes near Rush Limbaugh, as far as I know. Yeah, but it, he is a phenomenon. He is indeed. You know, like him or hate him, yeah. uh, as far as I'm concerned, he saved our industry. <laughs> well, he no, I agree with you. The, the talking is he saved the industry. I don't. Uh, it's weird. I've I've met Rush Limbaugh, uh, talked to him a little bit. He's he's uh, Rush has a massive ego. I will. I don't know if you've ever talked to Rush or met Rush or not, but in person. So you know that Rush has a massive ego, and everything is about Rush. He's a very intelligent guy, but he is so focused on what he wants to get done and what he wants to do. It is very, very impressive. Interesting observation, Tom. Um, Perhaps he has a, a massive ego, but I will also throw in the fact that it's my opinion that he is also so introverted and yep. shy. Yep. Um, and that really, when I've met him in person, I've interviewed him for the New York Daily News, when I've met him in person, um, I feel like it, it, it's he's in such pain having eye contact. And in fact, today, he doesn't go anywhere without bodyguards. Right. I mean, he, he has to commute in the world with security. He does. Whoa. I know it's very, very. Matter of fact, he owns two airplanes because sometimes he needs more bodyguards than get on one airplane. 
It's <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's got e eib one and eib two. Two airplanes. Oh wow. But what did I mean, we do wrong with our lives? Yeah, huh? we didn't get we don't we we didn't get twenty million listeners. That's that was our biggest mistake. Do you remember the numbers that that Larry King back in the day when he was on all of those radio stations, hundreds of radio stations? He must have been pulling in about the same size audience out of millions and millions of people. I and of course you know when he was on uh, stations, mutual broadcasting yes. uh, company. Uh, we're talking before even CNN. His, his, you know, he was at a time when there was very limited media as opposed to today. Right. Um, so yeah, there, there was a choice, and he was on the overnights. It was a quirky yes. overnight show. Yep. So he had the market there. He did indeed. The book is called Yappy Days Behind the Scenes with Newsers, Schmoozers, Boozers, Losers, and I'm here to tell you they're all there. Bernadette, what a great hour. It's been magnificent talking to you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Tom, and congratulations on your Hall of Fame title. Oh, that's very nice of you. That's very nice of you to bring it up. Bernadette, I hope we talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced, professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. Listen up, drivers. Are you doing the same thing every day, driving the same hours, making the same money? Well, stop and listen. Priority Courier Experts has a wide range of driving opportunities available right now. So if you're a professional driver or determined to become one, we can show you the benefits of partnering with Priority. Hey, Forrest, can you tell the good drivers of the Twin Cities which vehicles Priority has available in their lease-to-own program? Well, I'd really like my friend Bubba to help me with this. Forest, we have dock trucks, tractor-trailer trucks, flatbed trucks, curtain-side dock trucks, flatbed Moffat trucks, Ford Transit and Transit Connect Vans trucks. Hey, Forrest, shouldn't we have a shrimp truck? Bubba, I think you're on to something there. There you have it. Every kind of vehicle you could imagine, all doing same-day deliveries in town. Call Priority right now, and we'll get you on the road. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. I tell you, Molina, this new router sounds much, much better as far as delay is concerned, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Much, much better. We like that. We're uh, about a minute away from Louie. We're, we're calling Louie, or is he calling us? 
Well, now he says calling in a couple of minutes, so I think he's calling us. Okay, so he's calling us. But he has a heart out of 220, so we still got 15 minutes yeah. with him, so that's fine. He has a new book out called Hey Mom, Stories for My Mother, but you can read them too. We'll talk to Louie Anderson as soon as he picks up the phone and dials. We're looking forward to that. Also later on this hour, Angela Santomero, uh, Preschool Clues, Raising Smart, Inspired, Engaged Kids in a Screen-Filled World. Uh, was released just this week, as a matter of fact. And she was part of uh, Blue's Clues, you said, right, Andy? Co-creator, yeah. Oh, God, Co-creator love Blue's, Blue's Clues. Well, not really. I mean, ah! I was way too old. <laughs> That's really... But you well, did Somebody watch. liked it. Maybe it was Alex. I think yeah, Alex maybe. might have even... Let's see. Uh, 1996. So she would have been seven. Yeah, I suppose yeah, that's, that's right on the about, money for her. Yeah, that's, well, you were only nine. It's her jam, not yours, I guess. Yeah, he's far too sophisticated for Blue's Clues. <laughs> well, I mean, it's for kids who are like... At nine... It's for, like, preschool. Mm, oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, it is preschool. Well, I suppose that would make that sense. That's a cute show. Boy, this is not uh, really good news for the ex-Best Buy CEO. What happened? The lead story in the Star Tribune. Former Best Buy CEO Brad Anderson was completely shocked when he learned that a conservative political advocacy group, to which he donated $25,000, was involved in an ugly anti-Muslim social media campaign during the 2016 presidential campaign. Anderson said in a Friday interview, Anderson said he gave to the group Secure America Now because he shared its position on protecting Israel. I never had any anti-Muslim desire, Anderson said in an interview from his Florida home. Anderson said he will not be donating to Secure America Now in the future. His financial support of the group, as well as a $25,000 donation from Olympus Ventures, LLC, a venture capital group associated with Best Buy founder Richard Schultz, has sparked controversy that has swept in Minnesota's third largest corporation and other companies with which Anderson and Schultz were or are affiliated. Best Buy unequivocally values diversity and religious tolerance within our company and in the communities in which we work and live, the company said in a statement on Friday. Olympus Ventures issued a statement Friday saying it was unaware of Secure America Now's anti-Muslim social media campaign is it anti-Muslim? So I, I don't know anything about this, and I'm not. Uh, this, yeah, I don't, know I don't have an opinion on this at all. But is it anti-Muslim or anti-terrorist? Because there's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure they're not going to be showing what he's talking about because if they did, then it wouldn't. <sighs> yeah. Why don't we just stop having corporations donate to politicians? Just stop altogether. It's not a bad idea, you know. Yeah, just they they just can't do it. Yeah, that's probably No one's true. allowed, and no one's allowed to give money to anybody. Another, another <laughs> truth. Mayberry RFD says this is another reason Trump won in 2016. This group was warning America about radical Islam, just like liberal groups warn America about radical Christians or Jews. The difference being radical Christians and Jews don't blow people up. Um, so I have a question for you. Are there radical uh, Christian uh, groups? Uh, Not really anymore. Maybe 30 um, yeah, years I'm ago. Yeah, sure there are. There's a radical group. of Any group has some sort of yeah, I suppose. radical element to it. I suppose it's true. I mean, there's just yeah, people that they, always have to take everything to the to crazy level. Probably. Well, I don't That's know. the thing. Melina, do you send know. me this stuff just to depress me? Is that what you do? Well, you know. <laughs> so uh, the S&P is down... 74, the Nasdaq's down 192. Uh, the Dow, though. The Dow, it doesn't show the Dow on here. I think if you click one time, it'll, it'll be right at the top. It was down 756. Yeah, I thought so. 
Seven fifty six. Yep. Oh, is that because that a hundred billion dollar thing with China? Yep. Oh, probably. Is that what we're talking about the anti? Trump was talking about a hundred hundred billion dollar uh, tariff against uh, China. So I'm sure that's what it is because. Can, I just wish uh, John Kelly or Melania or somebody could just take his phone away from him. He would just shut I up. I would agree. <laughs> just could you just shut up and get off of Twitter? That would be really really good. Uh, Band TT228 says anti-Muslim ads. Not all Muslims were targeted by these ads. It's not nice to paint all Muslims with that brush. So it wasn't an anti-Muslim thing. It was an anti... See, here's the, here's the problem. I don't know anything about this. So what I'm trying to do is learn. And apparently these ads were not anti-Muslim. They were anti-terrorist, according to most people. There's a huge difference there. Huge difference. It's yeah, like, but they're desperate to make Trump look bad somehow. Well, it's like saying that all Catholics were involved in the, uh, what was that called again, the uh, Spanish Inquisition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they, sorry, they, it's not the case, you know. Total crap, one Google search and you know with zero doubt what this organization is about. Uh, hmm, gee, wonder why, because it's in the paper today. Did it say that in 2016 he made the donation? Uh, then they, they go on and on and on about this, so I don't know uh, what their situation is. But um, it says here, the headline in the Star Tribune says, former Best Buy CEO gave money to group involved in anti-Muslim media campaign. Now, if it wasn't anti-Muslim, it was just anti-terrorist, then why would you put that headline in your newspaper? And I'm not taking sides here, but somebody's wrong. It's more inflammatory. Yeah, but I mean, somebody's People believe wrong here. what they're told to believe. They don't do research. They just hear what they're told and say, okay, I believe this now. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. I just, I, I really wish people could grow up and just get, uh, nope. get a, it's not going to happen, is it? No. It's just not going to happen, and that's just how it is, and, ah, oh, God, here's the real story. No, it's not the real story. Then you go, and it's, by the way, if you get one opinion, you can't find the middle ground because the other opinions are way on the other side of the issue. So I don't know what the hell. Do you think that you. newspapers are intentionally doing the well, all news outlets, including television, yes. that they they put the story up wrong so that there's like a big outcry and everybody's all upset, yeah, and then and that. then the real story develops. Yes, that's exactly what over they do. the next week. Yeah, technically, if they retract their statement, then they are not held responsible for anything. Exactly. So. They can lie all they want as long as they say, oh, just kidding. Yeah, because if they get people upset, more people read it. Yeah, because who's going to read the retraction? Nobody, because they bury it on page eight. Exactly. That's very true. Um, We're in a situation now where the markets are all just really getting hammered. Tanking big time. uh, 718.62 on the Dow Jones, what you said. That was at 309, so that was just two minutes ago. Oh, what about the jobs report? Uh, This is disappointing jobs They said we added 103,000, but still, yeah. Why is that disappointing? Dow plunges 3% on trade tension, disappointing jobs report. Uh, crude is down to 61.89. It had for a while been up at 66. Uh, we're just basically going to be over political arguments. We're going to try to destroy this country, aren't we? Uh, I mean, you can. No, we're not going to try. Well, that's what they're trying to do right now. Mm. I mean, basically, what that is 
First of all, the, the president needs to get the hell off of Twitter and shut up. That would be really, really good. If he got off of Twitter and he shut up, that would be really, really nice. But it also would be really, really nice if all these greedy bastards who were involved, and not everybody involved in the stock market is a greasy ba- a greedy bastard. That's not what I'm saying. But a lot of them are. So it's all about them and protect, you know, tech, protecting themselves. And oh, I gotta have, I gotta rake in my money while I have a chance. I don't. Know. Oh yeah, and when you can make a ton of money destroying somebody else, it's <sighs> just know. not really a good situation. By you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on. Yeah, the Dow Jones at last, at last count, just uh, now three minutes ago, is down about seven twenty. That's. Pretty accurate in, in any case. It is it is what it is. Hey, Louie's not ready to go, huh? Nope. I love Louie and the fact that he always <laughs> does this. I got to be on right at 205, <laughs> and I got to be off at 220, well, hard out. That's probably, all there is to it. You no, know, you know how he is, though, once he gets talking. He's well, nuts. Plus, he's so dealing I with two people. Guy, uh, I, I personally, I don't know how he could deal with them because he's talking to uh, Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest. When, oh. When's he doing that? I don't know. He's doing something right now with them. Oh, oh he's doing it right now set. with them. Uh, okay, so they're oh, holding him up. Terrible news. What? I don't know if I should say it. Yeah, we'll say it. Tim Lammers just lost his dad. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. Tim Lammers uh, adores his father. Well, he father put it on cop. Facebook. So yeah, well, that's why you'd bring it up. Yeah. We're very sorry to hear Tim Lammers, of course, uh, work on the KQ Morning Show. He works on this show. Uh, Tim adores his father, so it's very, very tough to hear that, uh, that Tim told, had lost his father. His dad told his nieces, make sure they bury me face down so everyone can kiss my ass. <laughs> no wonder he loved his dad. <laughs> uh, he's my kind of guy. He was a cop, right? Uh, I know he had several cops in his family. I think his father was a cop for a while in any case. I think he might have been a county sheriff or something. Somewhere in law enforcement. But uh, God bless them and uh, all the best to the Lammers family. Very, very nice family. It's uh, losing my mother was tough. It, the bad news for Tim is, I got to tell you, and uh, Mike Molina can tell you the same thing, that uh, don't worry about it. You'll get over it in about never. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, that's, the, that's the whole problem is it just never, it gets better, but it doesn't go away. Yeah. You know, you think about them all the time, and uh, eh, it's just sad. Just a very, very sad situation. So the best, all the best to the to the Lammers family. Yes. Let's try to change it up here a little bit. I'm glad you did bring that up, though, so we could honor Tim's father. Describe to me a garbage plate a woman in a biker jacket set on a recent Saturday approaching a table of meat for sale at Gowanus, Brooklyn. Gowanus? On a street uh, equidistant to a waste management business and a Whole Foods. <laughs> so there's waste management and there's Whole Foods. Whatever you need, we got. Heaven on earth, the cook replied, spreading his arms in praise. More specifically, it's homemade. Do you see this? Yeah, I see it. It looks phenomenal, but it looks like it, there's about 8 billion calories mm, in it. That doesn't look phenomenal to me. That looks like heartburn and indigestion to it's, me. You put, you, you put half a plate full of tater tots. Oh. The other half of the plate is full of macaroni and cheese. On top of that, you put uh, cooked carrots. And on top of the cooked carrots, you put a... Uh, hash or something? A beef hash. 
Ugh. Looks fantastic, but it looks like you could eat it about oh, once a month and not anything else once for the rest a of the month. month. I'm just saying you couldn't eat anything else for the rest of the month. Oh, okay. That's the whole that problem. Is some... If that's Louis calling in, well, we, got, we only got two and a half minutes to go in this segment. So unless he can hang over well, you'll have to into ask the him. next segment, that would be good. That Otherwise, this is going to be a two-minute interview. Well, uh, we can probably hang out for a couple him up seconds. On. Or maybe we can just insert the commercials after no. we're done talking to him. No. What are you, fun? No, I'm just telling what you, you. With what two minutes two? to go, we can't do that. No. All right, that is Mr. Anderson. Uh, Louis, Mr. Anderson? Uh, Who's Louis? that? Okay, Louie, you're with us. Yeah, do you want me to call you back? Is it easier? No, I thought you do you still have, what time's your heart out? Um, you tell me what you want to do and I'm going to do it. Well, we could talk to you for a minute and a half now, take a two-minute break, and then come back and talk to you for as long as you can stay. I love it. Like, you know, five I'll minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever. I love it. So I love it. Going, whatever, you no. know, like 15, like 15 minutes after the break. That would be like, magnificent. We, can talk for we could at least do that. 15 after the break. Yeah, that'll be wonderful. So, so okay. basically, I just, do you want to, we're, we're going to go to break in like literally 75 seconds. Do you want to just schmooze for 75 seconds before we go sure. to the break? Yeah, let's do it. I'd love to. Now, what were you just doing? I was just on the phone with uh, the, uh, the segment producer for uh, Kelly and Ron. And when, when are you going to do Kelly and, and Ryan? Show, which was Kelly and yeah. Mike, and then Regis and Kelly, and then, right. you know, Regis and Kathy <laughs> Lee. Regis and, and then, Kathy Lee. And then it was so, Regis and, do you remember who it was before Regis and, and Kathy Lee, Tom? No. 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 I can't think of the woman's name, but there was another person. I didn't know that. I yeah. had no idea that that was true. Oh, when it was a, when it was a local show in New York City. Yeah, when it was a local oh. show. Yeah, God, I know, because I, I was actually living a, in New York. She was, a, she was a well-known celebrity, the woman. I can't think of her name. Yep, she was. Well, anyway, here's so what we'll Stephanie go. Edwards. What is it? The it, 71 to 81, it was uh, Ralph Story and Stephanie Edwards. No. Yes, Stephanie Edwards. Regis. No. Regis was with Stephanie, too, I think. I think that oh. might be right. Uh, he also was with Cindy Garvey. Cindy yeah, Garvey, Steve right. Garvey's wife. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, we'll take that's a break. Right. We'll be right back with Louie Anderson right after this. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant 
Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Tom Bernard Show. Our very special guest, Louis Anderson. Uh, his 85th book, I think it is. Have you ah. written like 85 books? 90. No, 90? <laughs> uh, this, is my, uh, this is my fourth book. That's very funny, though. Hey, what is the promo code again for the MyPillow? MyPillow promo code is KQRS. I just oh, left great. the same one on that. here that they have in the radio. Or Tom. I just love it. You can, Tom, you, I love it. Promo Tom code thing. Tom is good. Tom is yeah, my it's, favorite. It's really... MyPillow. Who doesn't want a MyPillow? See? I'll tell Mike Lindell uh-huh. you said that. Yeah, I like him. It's a oh, good God, when he, Yeah, when he comes on, I always go, yeah, do it. Get those pillows. <laughs> it's all true. They're nailing him in the Star Tribune, though, because he's he's a he's a, a devout Christian and a Trump supporter, so they don't, they don't, they're not too happy with him right now. Oh, so of I, course. I, they have to I find, find something wrong. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're successful. Let's tear you down. Yeah, it's pretty much common, true. It's a common thing because you know we need a story. Yep, you need that's a story. Right. Louis Anderson with us. Hey, mom, stories for my mother, but you can read them too, actor. And um, by the way, I'm going to read this the way it's written, so don't okay, take don't, this personal. So I don't okay? have to take it personal. Okay, good. No, <laughs> actor and iconic stand-up comedian Louis Anderson. That's fitting. Won an Emmy that Award in 2016. <laughs> well, thank you. Iconic and old. You can't be iconic unless you're old, I don't think. I don't know, maybe. You know, it's real. Yeah, and legendary is another nice one. Do you know what's funny yeah. about that, Louis? Yeah. So, so last last November, I was put in the National uh, Radio Hall of Fame. In September, well, they're putting me in the, very in the Minnesota deserved. Broadcasting Hall of Fame. But in July, I'm receiving the Iconic Brand Award. What? Well, What's that? Oh, you didn't know about that? No, this is a new award. I have yeah, never KQR, heard of it. KQRS uh, uh, and uh, Scott and I are getting the Iconic Brand Award it's, uh, at uh, some convention. Oh, I think it's at the Conclave, actually. Oh, okay. So I guess that's it. That's a, a, I'm now Iconic, and you're Iconic, so both of us uh, are going to get rocking chairs, and that'll be that. That'll and be I'm also going to get a colonic. A colonic, <laughs> an Iconic, and yeah. Is it a high colonic? I mean, remember when colonics, everybody, high colonic, is that the Indian version? Um, <laughs> high colonic. <laughs> um, isn't it, remember when the colonics were gigantic? Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think everybody people still was doing them, them to get, yeah, I think people get still get ready. I hope, sorry. Yeah, exactly, to get in that dress. Yep, you're 100% yeah. right. 
There's no getting around it. Um, I know I do to get the in the is, dress. That's what I do. Thank you. Well, that's right, because you wear dresses all the time now on set, so why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, it's always right? funny to me. Yeah, the whole idea still makes me laugh. Are those specially tailored? Those clothes? Yeah. That I wear? You know, they're, they're made by a woman. Uh, it's called Miles Ahead. She makes real clothes for real women. Really? And yeah, it's a one. She's a really wonderful person, and she makes all of Chris, almost ninety nine percent of all the clothes that Christine wears. That's fantastic. Uh, the book, his fourth book, "Hey Mom, Stories for My Mother," but you can read them too. Louie and I often talk about this, and Louie Anderson was a very good friend of my mother, actually. Yay! So it's a Toots. wonderful thing. Uh, Toots, old Toots. It's been ten years. Can you believe it? She died ten years ago. And you know, for amazing. Me, it's been 26 years, I think. Oh my 27. god! No, 27 years, I think. I don't That's know. unbelievable. It was it's, night. It was it's, January. It's, Actually, it was 28 years because it was January 4th, 1990. There you go. Some, January 24th, but 10 years, you know, it doesn't years. seem like it, it doesn't. The time is just, you know. I still, you know, you just those people are such a part of you that you know you just feel so connected to them. Yeah, I mean, when I think of you and me and Toots sitting at, at a table in the lunchroom in the building where she lived, it seems like it was about six months ago. Well, I was just and telling my guy? parents. Go ahead. I was just telling them, um, we moved out of the Dayton house, what, 14 years ago now? 14 years ago, yeah. 14 years ago, and uh, despite that, um, if I'm dreaming that I'm home, I still I dream that I'm in that house. I never have a dream that I'm in any other house. Wow, it's very that's weird. That's some, Andy. That is amazing. What's up, dog? How's Andy? <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> what's up, dog? I came in just for you. Yeah, you did. Andy, you showed up. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you're up. Oh. I was just saying, I was that when I heard the voice of her, I go, who's that? And I go, oh, it's Andy. Andy, you sound like you're, you know, you're starting to like people. Uh-oh. Well, I just haven't gotten enough sleep. So I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little off. He's a little off his crabbiness. Oh, well, so, yeah, like, uh, it's funny, Andy, that's significant that that's the house you dream of, that you don't dream of any other house. So that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. I, I love that idea. And I, we were sitting in that with your mom, Tom. We were sitting in that, that lunchroom, and the guys were uh-huh. hovering. Around, they were circling your mother like buzzards. And uh, it, was so- <laughs> it was so funny. I go, what are they doing? They must know Tom. But no, it was his mother. And he, 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 one of the guys said something, and your mom said, what would she say, Tom? Oh, he just wants to. Scramble my eggs. Oh, my God. We died. You and I almost fell off the stairs. It was so... We did. It's true. It was so, so funny. It was wonderful. There's no doubt about it. So what what inspired Hey Mom? I know that you were very close to your mother. How, how long ago did you start writing Hey Mom? Has it been, has it been the April 15, years? April, no, no. April uh, of uh, 2015, I came... I was doing some sort of baskets event, and I came home, and I was thinking, you know, this is all nice and well, and I'm really happy that I've been so appreciated for this part, but I really need to write my mom and say, hey, thank you, and I'm thinking of you, and I'm sorry I haven't written sooner or talked to you, you know, like I should. You know, you you meant so much to me, and I just wanted to tell you that um, I'm playing you now on TV, and people right. seem 
seem to love you, you know? Yeah, they seem and, to, uh, believe me. Everybody I know loves it. Uh, everybody n- yeah. I know loves Christine. Seems to be the breakout character. Yep. Well, it just, what does that mean, Andy, the breakout character? I well, it's like, you know how uh, The Simpsons originally was supposed to be about Homer, but people just loved Bart so much that for like three, four seasons, everything was Bart. Oh. I think Christine is basically like that for the show. It's She's uh, one of the more popular characters that they probably didn't expect. Well, I had the most like, fun is... doing it. I can tell you that. I had the most fun doing it. it I would imagine like one it of the best. was a lot of fun. It's, it's still the most. It's so much fun to play uh, Zach Galifianakis's mom. You know, when I get to, like, sometimes right. I'll be in an a- airport and I'll go, Chip, Chip. <laughs> and, pe- and people will look, turn around, and I'll turn around. Like, I don't know that what that is. And then it just makes me laugh because I just like, that just happened one day when we went, it was real quiet on the set and I just went, Yeah, yeah. And it was so much fun to say. Some things are just fun to say. Indeed. And your mother's name was Arazella Anderson. Is that correct? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? What is is that a Scandinavian name? You know, I think it might be a Scandinavian name. And uh, but I don't know the Zella, what that's from. And she was uh, her name was Proudy, I think. It was her right and Windsor or Winston. When, you know, if you go way back. Uh, right. And um, and then uh, I know that her relatives on my that side of the family can be traced back to the Mayflower. Really? Yeah. They're the white family have... on the Mayflower. It's called, which is accurate because we're so white. Are they British? Were they British? Your mother Was your mother British? Yeah, definitely. Definitely British. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes total. Yeah, that does make sense. Then the Orazella would. Yeah, that that I could see that being British. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, that would make sense, right? Yeah, absolutely, it does. What I like reading about, you know, hey mom stories from my mother, but you can read them too. Louis ruminates on his continued struggles with food, family, and forgiveness, as well as many things that have changed for the better. Do you think the food part of it? it and you and I have talked about this before. Uh, on your side and my side of things, that it was one of the few happy times in family life is to sit down and eat. Yeah, right. And when you're poor, yeah, it really was. It's what it yep. was the it, it was the wealthy thing. I mean, it was hey, we have food yep. this week. Yes, it we was. have a roast. We have a roast with yeah. potatoes and carrots and onions. Hey, and guess what? We also have a chocolate cake because those Ooh. were the yeah. <laughs> that was a. Uh, you know, that was important. Well, and was I still have important. those memories of, I re- have memories like Andy. I always wake up, and when I dream, I dream about a big pot roast in a blue, <laughs> blue, sure. a blue, a blue oval pan with all the vegetables around it and the juice being poured out into a thing where my mom made gravy. I just, that, yeah. that was. That smell uh, still permeates my my senses. There is no doubt about that. And then, if you add on that, if you were, were you ever you were a smoker at one time, weren't you? Yeah, for about twenty years. Yeah, that's the other part of it. That hand to mouth thing that smoking does, because both my mother and my father smoked. So I started smoking when I was eleven years old. 
So you oh, take right. that happiness that food brings you and, you know, the, the comfort that food brings you, and you do the hand-to-mouth thing with the cigarettes, it's really, really tough to keep weight off, man. <laughs> it's, it's a bitch. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, you, you know, know, the significant thing about when you grow up in a family where people are addicted or have a problem with cigarettes, alcohol, yeah. food, you, you ha- you're going to choose probably one of those things, and food seems like the thing that is always available, harder to get, you know, cigarettes and alcohol and drugs, easier to get food. And food is made so accessible nowadays. I mean, the $5 box is at every restaurant. Yeah. You can get enough yep. food to feed, feed your gullet and also <laughs> a big drink. <laughs> a big drink to go with it. And I definitely feel like it's a form of kind of like um, our, I mean, I think the epidemic in America is opiates, yes, but food is definitely a close second, I think. Oh, in America, definitely. I have never seen more morbidly obese people than I have in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes the seatbelt extension is not available on a plane because there's so many fat people on it. <laughs> we don't have I'm any just more. Saying, I'm just, they have to, yeah, they have to yeah. call for more. They have to call for more or they can't take off. No, I, I've, had it, I've I, had it happen. I think it is. It's, it's wonderful that you're so open and honest about that because a lot of people don't want to be open and honest about anything. But it, it helps other people to understand maybe the things that they're going through, some struggles they go through where, you know, dad wasn't that close, but your mother and, and you adored one another. And uh, that certainly is how I grew up. And, it was, you know, very, very poor families. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it, they're great reads for me. You start your very first book was about your father, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a necessity to write that book. It just started with I was on the road yeah. and I started writing these letters to my dad because I was so mad at him for not loving right. me the way I needed to be loved. And then that turned yep. into a big book. Also made me aware my dad had a much worse life than me, so I was able to find some real forgiveness in it. And then, uh, you know, I, I just think I, you know, I would have been, it would have been better for me not to share these books, uh, show business wise, because people really don't want that stuff when they're in show business. They don't really want, they don't really want you to paint that other side. They really don't. Mm, They want, especially comedians, they, they, especially comedians, they want it all to be happy and fun. I think especially in the eighties, that's really what I'm talking about there, but, um, but I, I always that felt true. the need. I always felt the need to get it out, and uh, and I always thought maybe it would help people. And I think it's wonderful. And I, you know, and I love, I love. Uh, if you know, I remember when Evil Knievel came up to me because he was a fan of mine. He came to my show, and then I saw him again after he came to my show, and I happened to give him uh, my book to your dad. And when I when he came to the show. And when I saw him the next time, he said, I read your book, and I, I re- reconcile, reconciled with my son, Robbie, and we're closer than ever because yeah. of your book. Yeah. And I, I said, wow, that, yes. and I said, that is worth it. It is. Louis, we appreciate your time again. Hey, mom, stories Thank for my you. mother, but you can read them, too. I'm going to be a book to signing at the Mall of America. I just want to throw that in to plug it. Mall of America, the, four, the 14th, April 14th. The Saturday, April 14th. That'll be one. Maybe we can have. Are you going to be in town the whole weekend? 
I'm just going to be in there one day, but I'm coming back at the beginning of May. So I'm hoping we can all get together then. We will do it then. Thank you, sir. All right. I love you guys. Andy, thanks for getting up. And Catherine, thank you for calling and keeping in touch with me all the time. I love you. Yeah, she does all uh, the time. Yes. I love you guys. Love you guys. Love you too. Love everybody you're involved with, Pally. Thanks, Louis. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much. Louis Anderson. The book is called Hey Mom, Stories for My Mother, but you can read them too. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. Hey, it's Tom again from my friends at Profile. Let's face it, when it comes to losing weight, most of us don't care how we get there. But once we reach our goal, we end up right where we started and gain it all back. That's what I love about Profile. Profile's in it for the long haul. Profile knows that losing weight isn't always a straight line. There are lots of ups and downs. I'm so thankful my Profile coach, Danette, is there to really keep me on track when I need it most. I cannot say enough about Profile. I tell Kelly at Profile that it's changed my life. And it can change yours, too. There's no question about that. Profile has six metro locations as well as Mankato, St. Cloud, and Rochester. Don't wait. I am telling you, I absolutely believe in Profile. That is a fact. Call today or visit ProfilePlan.com for a location near you. Visit ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com. Owen mentioned promo code KQRS for a special discount. ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com. Hey, I just got out of the meeting. I can't even tell you how different it was from what I expected. Well, you know, I'm uncomfortable interviewing in the first place, but I didn't feel that way there. Everything they said made sense to me. Yeah, and Priority is the largest same-day delivery company in the Twin Cities. And after all these years of doing it for someone else, I'm ready to be part of something bigger. A job? That's what I have now. You know I need more. Driving is what I do, and Priority Courier Experts is where I want to do it now. I know, and that's the best thing about it. I could never afford to buy a truck like that on my own. But tomorrow, because they believe in my skills, I'm taking out the first brand new truck that I'm going to own on the last payment. I can't wait to be in their fleet. I can't wait to be the next expert on the road. After 20 years of driving side-by-side on the road with these guys, of course I'm excited. And all I did was check out Priority.com. Easy. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. I think people just get stuck. I know I do. I waited until I was 64 to start eating healthy. (laughs) I figure, man, if I could still be, you know, my heart, I just go, thank you, heart. I love you. You know, plus I've already eaten every single thing, so. (laughs) You know, every single thing. Everything. People will say to me, do you have that? I had that before anyone had it. 
I ate that in the 60s. I was putting Fritos in my Sloppy Joes in the 60s. All right? Taco Bell. <laughs> All right, Taco Bell. Who doesn't want a crunch wrap? First of all, it looks like my grandma's old leather coin purse. <laughs> Louis Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. We have back-to-back -back legends on the show today. Louis Anderson uh, just talking about his book, Hey Mom, a book for my mother, but you can read it too. And Angela Santomero with us. Uh, preschool Clues, raising smart, inspired, and engaged kids in a screen-filled world from the co-creator of Blues Clues and creator of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. My God, Angela, you kept my kids busy when they were <laughs> when they were seven and nine years old. So I want to thank you and up front, right at the beginning of the interview. Yeah, Louis Anderson was just on talking about uh, you know family and growing up poor and uh, growing up with a father who didn't show much love and a mother who showed a lot of love and uh, yeah, uh, raising smart, inspired, and engaged kids in a screen-filled world. It's gotten to be much harder, hasn't Angela? You know, I think so. I mean, I think there's just so much to choose from now, right? And so many, you know, with this, just with all the screens all around us, it's like, what do we choose? How do we choose? Where the, where's the information on, on how to decide what's good for my kid or not good for my kid? I think that that's really what the book is about, is trying to pull out some of these nuggets so that you can choose, we can choose critically about what we want to put on for our kids. It is so amazing. We are, we are talking to Angela Santomero about her book, Preschool Clues, Raising Smart, Inspired, and Engaged Kids in a Screen-Filled World. I, just yesterday, Angela was talking to a friend, and he said he has a three-year-old uh, grandchild, grandson, and he picks up uh, a bottle, a can, a pair of scissors, a shoe, and every one of them puts up to his ear, and he goes, hello, hello, <laughs> everything is a phone to this kid. Uh, that's just that's what he sees, I guess. Is everybody's constantly on their phone? Well, it's better than everything being food, I guess. Yeah, it's better than everything being food, like it was in in Louis and my generation. That's very very true. So, what do we do now? So we have. I I, I should also throw in that our uh, Catherine is on the uh, the show. Our son Andy is here. That was the other voice you just heard, and our daughter Alex is on the show many days, but she is. Uh, at this point, seven months pregnant. She has a uh, two-year-old, and she's about to oh. have another baby coming up. Uh, Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. But are these kids, these kids have any shot? Hopefully, hopefully they do because, my God, with Twitter and Facebook and, and all Instagram and, I don't know, Snapchat even around anymore? I yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like these are the kids that are going to change the world. Like these I these kids so. are so right. They kids, they're so savvy. They they're very interested um, and interesting, and they have a voice. And I guess I'm hoping that as little ones that we're constantly for the little ones for the preschoolers as they're growing up in this world with phones and screens and everything all around us is that we learn how to use them and we use them and turn it around as a tool for us as parents. And, and, you know, what the book does is pull out all those formal features that I put in the show mm -hmm. because I find them as philosophies for life for preschoolers, right, in terms of playing. You know, no matter what with those 
screens. Kids are loving to play dramatic play, right, on the floor with toys, with props, because they, you know, can pretend everything and they're the ones in charge. And so what I want to do is make sure that we're demanding high-quality media that lets them go outside and play, lets them be creative and dramatic. And I find it really exciting that that a kid is going to pick up a shoe and put it to his ear and pretend that it's a phone. Like, I love that pretend play. Yeah, well, and that's exactly what it is. I I did want to ask you about, specifically about clue number two, pause, an intentional four-beat pause after a question enables a preschooler to find her voice. Do we have... Do we have time for that now? Are we going to make time for that now? I hope so. Well, I think that's why it's in there. It's a philosophy, yeah, you know, and I think yeah. that we have to do it. And I think that we all need to pause in general, right? I think that there's a lot of ways we can interpret that. But even just when we're asking somebody a question, I don't care how old you are, if you don't pause to look at them and want to know what they have to say, it's, you know, what, what does that do to their self-esteem or, you know, it's just, it's just, it's really hurts our, our little ones in terms of their growth. And so for us, it's just that preschoolers take longer to process that information. But when we do wait, and four beats is a really long time. Like on TV, they thought we were crazy, you know, four beats of <laughs> blank time, yeah. you know. But, like, they're talking back because we're listening. And then I, I just feel strongly that kids learning that they have an, a voice and we care, that's going to carry them throughout life. Yeah, that makes complete sense. We, I, I just, uh, I work out of uh, five different studios. I also do a morning show, so I spend about ten hours a day on on the air. Uh, mm-hmm. So we I, we do a lot of a lot of FaceTime, which is I really love the fact that FaceTime is available. I really do. Uh, it's wonderful. But uh, <laughs> my granddaughter, who will be uh, two years old on uh, May twenty sixth. She calls me Bop Bop. She's uh, she's trying to say Papa, but she <laughs> it comes out Bop Bop. And now, and I don't know, it just started about a week or two ago, and I don't know why she did this, but now whenever she sees me on FaceTime, she goes Bop Bop. <laughs> she's kind of changed the inflection and the tone, and I don't know why she decided, I have to do this now. I I have to have a different greeting for my grandfather. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, but it, it, she goes, blah, blah. It, it's very Aww. sweet. It's very, very touching, very sweet. Um, I think we're talking about a situation here when, when you know, Catherine uh, Andy and Alex's mother and um, my wife for, for 34 years, I've known Catherine for 37 years, did a really good job with that whole situation, allowing the children to enjoy watching Blue's Clues and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and you know the Sesame Streets of the world, but not as um, time for downtime for her. It was like, you guys go watch TV so I can do whatever I want to do. That's not how it happened at all. Uh, we were engaged and involved in it. She was. I was off, you know, running around the country doing voiceover or radio or doing whatever. Um, So she was always engaged with them and involved with them. And uh, one of the things that I really miss is sitting and watching television with with the kids or taking them to the the latest movie uh, for children. The the stimulation that it gives them, and and it builds their imagination. I love that part of it. Do do most people see it that way? Yeah, I think so. And I think you touched on the interactivity, too, with FaceTime. I love it. I love Mm -hmm. it. It changed the game for me, too. But because I think that... 
you know, that level of interactivity when kids are really little, um, they, and that's part of the pause chapter two when they're really little, right? The fantasy and reality distinction isn't, isn't quite there yet. And so they can believe it. But if you can truly talk to your pop pop, that's like, or pop pop, that's like, that's it. You know, that's like, that's like a dream come true, you know? And then that interaction of either the warm and cozy being able to spend the time and watching something with your child, it's been proven, right? That the education just soars when you do that. But you also, if you don't have somebody there with you, you want to know that the media or the shows that you're putting on for your child knows preschoolers so that they can guide them, like as a trusted guide, quote unquote, through whatever it is that we're, the story is that we're talking about. You know, I always say that it's like opening up the door to your living room and you're letting these characters in. Right. Like we, we want to make sure that, you know, we want to have dinner with them. Like we want to make sure we like them um, because you're right. The imagination is a big piece of it. We want to, we want to make sure that we're fostering that creativity and that imagination um, as well in terms of positive role models and, and good characters. You know, it's really interesting thinking back this your com- my conversation with you is making me think back to my childhood because television, uh, I've been doing doing radio now for 48 years, and so it'll give you an idea of you know my basic basically my age. I started you know when I was when I was 18, so there you have it. But my only contact, one grandfather, I had no contact with. I would see him, but uh, he once told me on my 16th birthday that he would dance on my grave. So that's the kind of guy he was. Really pleasant guy. And my other grandfather, the only time I ever had contact with my father's father was I would sit next to him and watch wrestling on television on Saturday nights. That's the only contact. So even way back then, the television, at least it was some stimulation and it was something to share because I never sat and talked to either one of my grandfathers. It never happened. The only contact was sitting and watching professional wrestling with my one grandfather. So I guess it's been something that, that I looked forward to all the way back then. So now it's got to be so much better and so many different things. As we said, whether it's FaceTime or whatever, it's a much better situation now, isn't it? Well, it's, you know, and it's also so interesting because it is that power, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think the fact that you still remember that and oh, that yeah. warm and fuzzy or that, that association with your grandfather is kind of the key, right? I think whenever we give that level of time or bonding or respect to our preschoolers, they're going to remember it forever because we're sharing something, right? We're sharing that experience. And so with the media, what I like to talk about is like a healthy green smoothie so that we're choosing this this good media that we like that we can then talk about with our kids, that we share in it with our kids, you know, so that we're part of that pretend play if they want to talk about what did Daniel do today, you know, yeah. because now we're part of their experience and it just makes things stickier for them because they become so emotional about it, you know, by being able to talk about it with you. And I always say parents are the stars of preschoolers' favorite show, right? Because like, yeah, yeah. all they want to do is watch you all the time. You know, it's interesting about that. I, that you're absolutely right about that because one of my great memories of my son who's sitting five feet to my right right now, he's 31 years old now. But I remember when he was about four years old, his, uh, his grandfather, my wife's father, his grandfather and I and, and Andy were out in the yard. It was a windy day, and he was flying a kite. And all of a sudden, Andy looked. And Andy, you're not going to remember this because you were so young. No. <laughs> but the kite was flying. And all of a sudden, he looked up at me and stuck his right foot up in the air and said, 
Dad, the kite strings wrapped around my tootsie. <laughs> and I will never forget that. Just even that any, whether it's a kite or it's FaceTime or it's sitting watching television with kids or whatever it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That connection, because I, I did not, I got to be honest with you, I thought both my grandfathers were jerks, to tell you the truth, because mm. I, no, I had no conversations with them. Mm. Uh, but now for a child to... to 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 look at things uh, in a, a whole different, like you said, in a, it's part of the title. In a screen filled world, it can be a much much better thing. I, I think it's wonderful, think so. actually. Oh, uh, I'm glad. I think so too. Great clues. How many? Uh, you, you, I'm, I'm looking at seven of them right now, and they're really well. Just the words: play, pause, repeat, think, resolve, respect, help. Not a lot of that went on uh, back when I was a kid. But, <laughs> But uh, you're talking a couple of generations ago, so it's wonderful. The book is called Preschool Clues, Raising Smart, Inspired, and Engaged Kids in a Screen-Filled World. I love the fact, because you've kind of cheered me up, because it scares me that we are so, we're overly connected on places like Twitter and Facebook. There's too much connection there, too many opportunities for people to be really mean and not have to pay for it. But then I also am sent messages that my daughter posted a picture of my granddaughter or my wife posted a picture of her birthday cake because it was her birthday last uh, Saturday. The wonderful things about it. So uh, thank you for pointing out the wonderful things about it. it really we, ha- we have to focus on that, right? Because if yeah. not, it's such a slippery slope. And no. I think that's the research, too, about the positive effects yep. of media and just yep. keeping to try to promote those. Well, so I thank you, you too. Thank, well, thank you for for Blues Clues and and, and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood because, as I said, uh, you made my children very happy, which makes me happy. <laughs> so I appreciate Aww, it. great. Thank you, Angela. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, Angela Santomero. The book is called Preschool Clues: Raising Smart, Inspired, and Engaged Kids in a Screen-Filled World. And I'm very serious about that. Actually, I worry so much about uh, all the negativity that's on. The internet and you know, all the Facebooks of the world and the and the and the you know Twitter. I wish our president would get the hell off of Twitter. That would be really nice if he would do that. So to be cheered up about social, well, not necessarily social media, but a screen-filled world is the way that uh, Angela put it. To be cheered about that is a. Uh, it made my day. It's great. She seemed very very pleasant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Bryant's in studio. Mike Molina, Andy, is with us as well. And the legendary Sid and Marty Croft to receive Lifetime Achievement Awards at the 45th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards. That is today, just a few hours from now. Uh, Sid and Marty, Michael Bryant is with us. He's a prominent attorney here in the state, and he's just reminiscing about his childhood now, <laughs> looking, yeah. looking at all the things that you guys did. I love those Saturday specials you guys did about the cartoons that were coming up and some of these shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did many of those. So, I guess seven or eight or nine or whatever it was. So has anybody ever watched Here's Irving? I'm, I'm sorry. They got this unaired oh, pilot that you guys did way back. Here's Irving it was the first thing you did. Yeah. Well, well, did anybody watch it? Did you did you do you? that in Canada? Wow, that is so bizarre. You know, we were both working with Judy Garland at the time oh, wow. in Las Vegas, and we came in to shoot that. It was a pilot, 
and um, uh, it, it didn't sell, but it sure is a damn cute show. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Yeah. You know, it's kind of fun for me to sit here and, and, and talk about Sid and Marty Croft's shows and Michael Bryan, of course, and, and, and everybody's looking down the list of all the things that you did and going, oh, God, I remember what I would But But some of us were sitting here thinking, well, God, I, when that, that was on in 91, I was, I was a little older there. I shouldn't have been I should sitting there in my pajamas watching Sid and Marty Croft shows when I'm in my well, late don't 20s. Don't feel bad because there are about 40 million people out there that are older, and they can sing the theme songs when you run into oh, the street. Isn't that wonderful? I would say that if I stop ten people, five of them knew at least two lines of each song. So they and they know them. all the characters. It's, oh, yeah. it's just amazing to us because, you know, that was quite a few years ago. It was a while back. There's well, no doubt. Yeah. question. Yes, sir. Yeah. I hear Sid breaking up a little bit. Is that just me? Like no, it is just he sounds fine. A yeah, little like fine. vibrating. Everybody sounds good. No, we don't hear okay. him vibrating at all. Marty, I just think it's your your heart beating because you're excited about getting a lifetime achievement award That's in a couple bad. of hours. Yeah. No, I know. I'm excited as my heart is beating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Let me tell you one thing here, and I I know you haven't brought it up yet, but uh, we're probably the only company left from the kids' business, you know, including yes. Barbara and everybody, that uh, it still survived. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's kind of wild that we were able to do it. And there are only two companies left, or there's only two companies, period, that have libraries that has never sold out. And one's an elephant and one's a flea. Well, guess who the flea is in the elephant's Disney? Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then, we're, you know, we're always going to be in the action. Because we probably got in our family more kids than Disney had. Yeah. So we got three. I got three daughters. One is a great producer and uh, takes care of running everything in the office. So, you know, this is all the next generation. We got three generations out there right now. So we're, we're, we're lucky. And, uh, and, of course, we've got a hit show at Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. which is Mutton Stuff with 23 yep. Dogs. Yep. And we've... In the last two and a half years, uh, 73 episodes were picked up, and we just completed two one-hour specials, and we're going to go on the road. So, you know, the, the company is still alive and breathing. You know, I tell you, I got to tell you something, Marty. You and I were talking about this very, very thing the other day, and later on today, when you're both handed the Lifetime Achievement Awards at the 45th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards. Uh, you know, you've received other awards, there's no question about it, but to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award, when you hold that in your hand and you look back at all the joy you've brought people in the world, it's going to be pretty overwhelming, don't you think? It's overwhelming before they even hand it to you, you know? Yeah. We never you know, dreamt the great that. The thing about it is this morning, we're at CBS on the lot, and one of the security guys just bought it from me for $100. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sid, you were saying something about it's overwhelming now, yes. Well, of course it is. You know, we never even dreamt about that. We, we always dreamt about just being nominated for a show. We did 26 titles, series. And so, you know, we were nominated three times. 
and we never won. The first time we lost out to Kukla Flan and Olive. <laughs> <laughs> now, Andy, Andy, and Mike, do you even know who that is? Nominated more than those many times. Wow. I don't remember how many Emmys we won as our shows. Yeah, but, yeah, but not us personally. Yeah, you know, for sets and and other stuff. Yeah. Well, for composing and. Yeah. Anyway, that's. But now we're winning for Sid and Marty Croft. And yeah, you know, that's a different deal. It's a completely different deal, yes. So the, the addition of Emmys was a little different, but that's good. It is good, <laughs> uh, but it must be very, very yeah, pleasing. You guys have done what you've wanted to do your entire life. You've done it the way you wanted to do it. It's gone on now, as you said, for 50 years, a little more than that, actually. Uh, are you both looking back at it now? Like we we did what we wanted to do. We did it the way we wanted to do it. And and you, got, you have to be very pleased with your body of of work in your in your lifetime. Well, I don't I don't look back. Oh, you don't I, at all. Okay. Well, I'm living for today. Sure. In the moment, and we'll see what happens. Because I have this expression about the future. If you want to give God a good laugh, tell him what your plans are. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I'm going to use it. Matter of fact, I'm going to steal that if it's okay with you. Of course. Send me a check. <laughs> I'll send you a check, Marty. I promise. Yeah. I will say. Sid, I'm really happy that you were able to you come on the show because, as I said, I, a couple of days ago, I do a morning show as well, and Marty was on. And then when I heard, oh, cool. I heard you were. Well, I, I wasn't in the office at that time, but now we're hooking up. I'm at home, and Marty's in the office. I'm where I'm supposed to be in the office. Oh, yeah. he's at home. Sid's at home, and Marty's at the office working. Sid's just reclining. Uh, no, I just got back from the gym. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay, well. Yeah, nice Marty will love that because he loves when I go to the gym to stay healthy. So don't worry about Sid. He's 116, and he goes to the gym seven times a week. <laughs> wow. A, I didn't know Sid was 116 years old. No, I thought oh, yeah. he was a bit younger. No, I'll be, you know, you want to hear the truth, next year I'll be 90. 90 years old next year. Yeah. Um, so, but wow. it's cool. I, I, uh, I've always, every day that I wake up, I'm so grateful, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm old right now. No, it's a wonderful. I just care. I care about one thing that I wake up. <laughs> well, I do too. I, I understand what you're saying. Absolutely, we all do. Yeah. Well, waking up is real big. Waking up is a big thing. And without uh, tipping your hand, what you're going to do in a couple of hours when you receive your lifetime achievement awards? Do you do you have plans? You both have plans of what you might say. Just a couple of words that that you might bring up. Yeah, well, I, I got one. I, I don't know whether you know this that uh, that. David Arquette, who's a close friend of ours and has been a member of our show, mm-hmm. is giving us the award tonight. Oh, that's okay. good. Right, do you want me to tell you what I... I'll, I'll give you one line. One line is good, because I don't want you to give the whole you know, thing away. I'm afraid of that Sid will probably steal the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a possibility. I'm going to close with one thought to live by for the audience. On your worst day, help somebody else. Huh. Yeah, that's wonderful. Sid, are you going to steal that? No, I'm not. I got a better one than that. So. <laughs> oh, you do. It's better. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's better. I don't know. No. It is a one. Now, uh, 
I know you've, we've only got a minute or two left, and I wanted to ask you both, was it your family, your mother, your father, uh, you know, grandmother, grandfather, uncles and aunts, who inspired you to do what you did? Is there, is there one group of people or just one person? or Who inspired you to do what you both done? Well, Marty can answer that because we came I'll from, we didn't come from a show business family. Right, right, they right, didn't right. even understand it, you know. The one thing, the one person that meant the most to Sid when he was in Ringling Brothers was the tattooed lady. She had the most to say about Sid's life because he was close to her. Really? He was from aristocracy. Nobody knew she was the tattooed lady where she lived. She covered herself up when she wasn't in the circus. Really? Huh. You weren't expecting this. I'm hearing silence. No, I, it's just a fascinating story that that, that I Sid. Made that up. Marty made that up. I know he did. That's why I, I sat back and said, I didn't say. Because my, I don't know how old you were, Marty, when I was in the circus, 1944. I wasn't born for 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marty was born in 38. Yeah. So you guys are doing, you guys are doing an Amazon series now, right? Right. Yeah. You're doing a series. Said Marty Croft this morning. You need to send a check to us. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But you guys are doing an Amazon series now, right? Yeah. We uh, so yeah. How uh, different is it to do we Amazon went to streaming? Because that was the next thing. Yep. Of course, I have no idea how many people are watching. Yeah, Could that's a problem. Or eleven hundred. When we're on Nickelodeon, I know we get right. over a million kids a day. How so, different so is we, it from? We, we got that show on. It's, we're proud of it. And David Arquette is the villain. Oh. The first villain oh. we had was Witchy Poo. The oh. last villain we had was David Arquette. Nice. Playing Barnabas, looking for sea monsters. Okay. I tell you, let me just say this uh, because I know you have to move on. Sid and Marty Croft, all of our, and I, and I mean this sincerely, all of our love to you because of all the joy you. you've given us and the happiness you've given us. You guys deserve it. You really, we really appreciate your work. I, I certainly do. I think everybody in this room does. So, as they say, as they used to say when I was a, a little kid, God bless you and have a magnificent night tonight at the Emmy Awards. Right. Congratulations. Thank you. Can I Thank ask you. you one question? Yes, sir. Why is your name down from a, an hour and a half from now? We're going to be doing another interview. I'm my na- my name name is? is? Yep, that's wrong. I'm only kidding. That would make, that would make <laughs> three interviews in a week. Yeah, you're unbelievable, <laughs> Marty. Honestly, God. Sid, how do you put up with Marty on a daily basis? Uh, don't even start. <laughs> you, you'll be going off the air if you hear the whole story. Yeah. Great okay, joy. All right, Tom. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you so me. much, Tom. I really appreciate it. Congratulations. That, uh, what else you have there? Have a good day. Thanks. We'll get it done. Oh. Sid and Marty Croft received Lifetime Achievement Awards at the 45th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards tonight. I, I loved talking to Marty oh, the other day. Cool. I mean, it's just these uh, two old Jewish guys. Mm-hmm. You know, so what we do when we get together is we talk about this, and then it works out. <laughs> send me a check. Send me a check. And send me a check. Do you even know who Witchy Poo is, Andy? I know the name. Okay. She was quite Similar the villain. Similar to a lot of their stuff. She was Witchy quite the Poo. villain. Yeah. But, God, to go from 
Judy Garland yeah, in the 40s exactly. to Amazon streaming. Yeah. Holy cow, they've I seen know. life. How things change. Oh, man. I and love I, that. It sounded like I, was rip- I wasn't ripping them. It no. just said it was un- you know, unaired. So who watched it? You know? I just love the fact that he said, and I was working with Judy Garland. And Marty goes, I wasn't born yet. That's a lie. He was born in 1938. <laughs> <laughs> So one's at 80 and one's about to turn 90. Yeah. Wow. That's See, that's just, I love that so much about uh, about the show business, that they've been making kids happy and people happy for 50 years. I wonder why it took so long to, for them to get the Lifetime Achievement Award. That makes uh, no sense to me. Uh, who knows? Oh, I mean, here we go. Uh, here's Irving was in the 2003 DVD box set of H.R. Puff and stuff. So finally, after oh, almost 50 years, it got aired. Yeah, that's it where finally I go to came watch out. It. That's where I got to find it. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Track it down so you can watch it. Absolutely. Judy Garland. Yeah, it was their first pilot. Yep. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. I saw that on that list. That was amazing. I so. love that their producer kept kept going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I know calm we got to go buddy. calm down there. But these producers are such a pain in the ass. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I know when they're supposed to be gone. <laughs> Shut up. Stop making those noises. You're a pain in the ass. That's all I have to say. Sid and Marty Croft to receive Lifetime Achievement Awards at the 45th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards. Tonight is the night. <laughs> and then Marty goes... Why is your name down for an hour and a half? <laughs> I'm like, God. He's working shtick. He's, he's working shtick on me, man. Well, thanks very much for being with us. This was a great show. A lot of fun. Thanks uh, for Cy si, si stopping in. Uh, Michael Malone, one of my favorite people. He's a wonderful guy. He's got his new CD out. It's available everywhere. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. Hey.